God is good, amen? You're lucky today. I've got to take a long time because I've got two sermons. Because like last week, I saved it for this week and I wrote another one. So we're going to do two in one. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have kids' church today after we take up an offering, amen? All right, Grace, come on down. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. Amen? Amen. Listen, I got to tell you something. Today, well, the other day I read in 2 Kings. 2 Kings, chapter 2. Elisha and Elijah. Elisha knew that Elijah was going to be taken away. Taken up. That God was going to take him. And they went to cities. And the prophets came out and they said to Elisha, Don't you know that your master is going to be like, God's going to take your master today. And he said, Yes, I am, but shh, be quiet. They went to Jericho. And the prophets came out and they said, Don't you know that your master is going to be taken away? And Elisha said, Yes, I know. But shh, be quiet. They went to the Jordan River. And on one side of the Jordan River, there was prophets there. And Elijah took his cloak off. And he smacked the river. And the river parted. And the prophets on the other side came across. And they said to Elisha. said, Elisha, don't you know that your master is going to be taken away today? And he said, yes, I know. But don't tell him. And every time Elijah said to Elisha, I got to go, you need to stay here. And Elisha said, no, master, I will not leave your side. I will not leave you. So when they were walking after the, after the Jordan River, Elisha and Elijah were walking together. And they said that a chariot of fire came down and it appeared between both of them. And it came down and it appeared between both of them. Can you imagine, Grace, right now? If a chariot of fire came down and swooped right in here between us both. That'd be wild, wouldn't it? And what happened? Elijah got in with the chariot and took off and his cloak fell. Before that, I got a little ahead of myself. But before that, Elijah, you know what Elijah said to Elisha? He said, what can I do for He split the sea so I could walk right through it. Amen. You guys got me? So, okay, I have like two titles today, but I'm going to save one. God has got you covered. Can you say that? God's got you covered. Is that hard? No. Let's try it again. God's got you covered. Amen. So don't worry. God's got you covered. God's got you covered. So don't worry. God's got you covered. Don't be afraid of the days. God's got you covered. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. We're going to do something different. Let's everybody stand up for a second. Everybody stand up for a second. While I read the word. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. 
He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body. What you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't need to sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, so don't worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does it say there? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. (laughs) Couldn't help but saying that. But don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, there's some key verses in here. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen? And then what does God say? If you seek God first and His righteousness, then He will give you all these things. All these things that you need. Food, clothing, shelter. You know, they don't teach that probably anymore in school. But when I was a kid in school, there was three basic needs that you needed to survive. Three basic needs, and that was it. They said it was food, clothing, shelter. I'm going to tell you, there's actually four basic things you need. You need God, number one. There's only really one thing you need, and that is God. And if you seek Him and His righteousness, then He'll give you everything else. Amen? Amen? So there's a key to your life. Do you want a prosperous life? God says that I want you to be prosperous and be in good health at all times. He said, beloved, my loved, <laughs> beloved, my loved, my wishes are you for to be in good health and to prosper. It's in the word. So don't worry. Don't be afraid. God says, God says, don't worry about any of this. Don't be afraid. You're worth way more than all these things. God even says it in Matthew 10, verse 31. He says, you are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus said it. And if you're a believer and you believe that,
And you have something that's in you that this world cannot touch. You have a power, it's actually called dunamis power, that doesn't come from you, but it comes from God who is in you. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Got that one memorized. You should have it memorized. It's simple. 1 John 1, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I say it all the time because I believe it in my heart. I believe that once I got saved, I got saved. And I didn't doubt it. And I believed it. And if you believe that and you receive that in your spirit, then watch out. Watch out, devil can't touch you. You can't touch this. Amen? And you watch out and you walk out in it and you believe it and you don't doubt it and you see what God can do through you. Because God can do all things through you. He'll take your impossible and he'll make it possible. He'll put you at the head and not the tail. He'll give you the strength to carry on. When you don't think you have the strength to carry on, God will give you the strength to carry on. He'll give you wisdom and knowledge beyond your years. And he'll use you in ways that you thought were impossible and even unimaginable. Look here. This world is crazy right now. This world is actually going through birth pains. The Bible tells us all about it. The Bible tells us this world's going through birth pains. We shouldn't be shocked of what we see in the news or read in the paper. We shouldn't be worried because Jesus told us all about it before it even happens. And if you read your Bible, you'd know it. And you wouldn't worry. And it's actually, in, I've said it many times, Matthew 24, four, verses 4 through 8. <clears throat> and actually, Joel, that's, that's one verse. Those are verses that Jesus said. But let's go to Luke 21, verses 8 through 11. Let's read that scripture. They're basically the same. Luke 21, verses 8 through 11. He says, Jesus said, watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he. <clears throat> the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen, but the end is, will not come right away. When he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. It says, 
But before all of this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors on account of my name. This will result in you being a witness to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. For I will give you words and wisdoms that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. How about that? Knowledge beyond your years. Wisdom beyond your ability to understand. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Trust God because he will, he will make your words just contradict everything that they're saying. He will confuse them. In Luke's version of this, he says that there's going to be pestilences and famines. In Matthew's, it said there's going to be plagues. Let me tell you, do you know the difference between a plague and a pestilence? A plague is what happened in Egypt, right? When Moses... A pestilence is what's happening right now in China. Disease. Sicknesses. Let me just tell you some of the current events that I've written down here that are happening right now around the world. All right? Pestilences and plagues. Rumors of wars and of wars. All right, so plague. What's happening in East Africa right now is a plague of biblical proportions. It's a locust plague. Guess what the plague is going to cause? Guess what the plague is going to bring upon it? Famine. Because the locusts are devouring all the crops. They're crying out there's going to be a great famine in East Africa because of the locusts. Famine means people are going to starve and die because there's not enough food. The coronavirus outbreak in China. That's a pestilence that's happening right now. Both of those two events are happening right now that are going on around the world. I don't know how many thousands. It's got to be about 1,700 people have died that they're reporting, and some say it's even greater than that. Because you've got to understand, China is a surveillance state. They don't let out all the true facts about what's going on. So you got the plague of locusts in East Africa. You got the China outbreak of the coronavirus. It's, and it's around the world now in a short time. They still haven't come up with a cure for it yet. You got the chips that are being implanted in the hands of thousands in Sweden. Believe this or not, the chip, is the RFD chip is being implanted in your hand. And people are accepting it. Because they've sold it. As a, and they, and they, they've built it up as a thing to help speed things up. That you don't have to wait in these long lines anymore. You can just run your chip in your hand. It says to speed up 
the user's daily routines and it make their lives more easier and more convenient. How many here are going to receive the chip because it's going to make your life more easier and more convenient? That's how they're selling it. And they've been doing it in Sweden now for a few years. And it's, they love it over there. They said it's great. I think our lives are going fast enough. They don't need to go any faster. Personally. Then you've got back to China again. They have a dream of an AI state or an AI of surveillance state where the government engages in pervasive surveillance of large numbers of citizens. China and Russia are the most active in this. And they're doing it as a global outreach. They actually say that if you go to the Caribbeans, they have adopted this surveillance state, a lot of those little Caribbean islands. So everybody who wants to go on vacation in the Caribbeans, you're being watched. You're being surveillanced. And why does China want to do it and Russia want to do it? Because they want to know who you're worshiping. That's what I've heard from other Christians. That's why I have... That's why in China there's such an underground Christian church that's huge. Because they cannot worship out in the open like we can worship. It's one of the largest states of persecution. One of the largest countries of persecution. North North Korea is the highest persecuted country for Christians. And if just because that we're not being persecuted here in America, don't you think that it's not going on around the world? It's going on all around the world. Yemen, Christians are being persecuted. North America, or North... Huh? No, not North Vietnam. North Korea, Christians are being persecuted. China, Christians are being persecuted. Yemen... Christians are being cute. You read about it. You hear about it. But China and Russia, their surveillances, they're out there. They're all of the, a lot of the Caribbean islands have it. India has it as well. It's also being used in Brazil. And the Jordans use it in the House of Parliament. Can you believe that? Belarus, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Algeria, Cuba, Mexico, and Palestine are all adopting this surveillance state. They're all adopting this surveillance state. So let me ask you this. Do you think that we're in the end times? This was all prophesied about. Why do you think they're going to have the surveillance state? So they can turn you over. Just like Jesus said, you're going to be turned over to governors. To the synagogues. Synagogues, that's your churches. 
You're going to be turned over to the church and synagogues to be persecuted. What do you think happened to the disciples? What do you think happened to all the disciples? They were turned over to the synagogues, to the high priests. What do you think Paul was doing before he was before he met on the Damascus Road? He was persecuting the young Christians. Because I'm going to tell you, when Jesus came down, it was a new revelation that started the revolution. It was a revelation that started the revolution. And they couldn't and they couldn't stop it. And it was against everything they knew. It was new to them. And to them it was blasphemy. And blasphemy was being stoned to death. What do you think happened to Stephen? He was stoned to death. Because he was a Christian. And he believed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man went to heaven except from him. And he even cried out when he was being stoned, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's like a repeat of history happening. Pestilences, great signs in heaven. But listen, when we're trusting and seeking God like we should be, and we're believing that He's in us, then we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry about any of this stuff. This stuff is going to happen. And you know what's going to happen before that? Is the rapture is going to happen before all this takes place. Before it gets really bad, God's going to come down. He's going to gather up his churches from the four winds of the earth. He's going to gather up his believers. And they're all going to rise up with him in heaven. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. Let me read to you Isaiah chapter 54. Verses 2 through 17. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cord. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispose nations and settle in their desolate cities. What do you think he's saying there? What do you think Isaiah is saying? He said, I want you to increase. I want you to possess the land. I want you to increase. I want you to be the head and not the tail. Enlarge your tent. Stretch out your property. Don't be afraid. When all this happens, don't Don't get consumed with it. He said, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispose nations. That's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) 
Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. Think about that. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young and only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah. When I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. What does it say about the end times? This is Isaiah. This was written a few thousand years ago. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will never be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. Who has compassion on you? The Lord's got you covered, amen? amen? Through all these things that are going on, if we trust in God and seek His righteousness, then He'll supply all your needs. Actually, He'll increase. And He wants you to increase. You know, I think of the talents you know, when the master gave the servants talents, and he gave one, one, he gave one, two, and he gave another one, three. And the one who had one was scared to lose his talent, so he went and buried it. The other one who had two went out and he invested in it. And he doubled it. And the one who had three went out and doubled his. When the master came back, and he said to the one that grew his talents, you know, doubled his, to both of them, doubled their talents, he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. But he said to the one who went and buried it, he said, get out of here. You weren't faithful with the one talent I gave you. At least you could have invested it in the bank and it could have grown interest for me. But you didn't. And he said, Master, I was afraid I was going to lose it. God doesn't want us to be like that one that one servant who took his talent and buried it. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to grow. Amen? He wants you to grow. He wants you to multiply. He wants you to spread out your tents. He doesn't want you to worry. Because if you believe it in your heart that God's got you covered... 
and you believe that his unfailing love for you will not be shaken, then nothing can come against you. He said, O afflicted city, verse 11, we'll read on. O afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will build you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with sapphires. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stones. Boy, that sounds like the new heaven to me in the book of Revelation, doesn't it? All your sons will be taught by the Lord. And great will your children's peace. And great will be your children's peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. Terror will be removed. Will be far, far removed. Listen to that for a second. I want you to understand this. With everything that's going on in the world. With all the plagues, the pestilence, the rumors of wars. How would you like your children to go off to war? Don't think that it's not impossible. They had a draft in Vietnam. They had a draft in World War II, didn't they? They had a draft. Don't think your young men and your children aren't exempt from that. From serving. I bet you we'd be on our knees praying if we were in a war that was bad and we had a draft and our children and our grandchildren were taken into the service. Bet your prayer life would be a little more exciting. I know mine would be, and I'm just being honest. There'd be a fervency. There'd be an urgency. There'd be a need for God's covering and protection. But it says here, with all these plagues and pestilences that are going on, tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. I don't know, but I want to be a child of God. I want to live a righteous life. It says, if anyone does attack you, it will not be by my doing, but whoever attacks you will surrender to you. How about that? See, it is. I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And and it is I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. I don't know, but there was only one man that I've ever seen intercede for a destroyer, and that was King David. And that was on a threshing floor. If you remember correctly, when he took a census... Actually, it happened twice. The destroyer came down. One time, it was when they were in Egypt. When Moses told them to take the blood of the land and put it over the doorpost because the destroyer's coming by and is going to kill every firstborn of Egypt. 
But if you got that blood, if you're covered by the blood, then that destroyer will go over your house. And you might not, you might think that that never happened, but let me tell you, it happened. That really happened. And not thousands, but probably hundreds of thousands of children. Hundreds of thousands of firstborn males. Who's the firstborn male of their house? Me too. If we didn't have the blood over our door, you would have been dead. In Egypt. Even at your age, in my age. And even Ed's age. Firstborn male of his house. Think about that. That's why we need the blood of Jesus. Amen. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. I plead the blood. Then the destroyer came when King David had to go and intercede for it because he wanted to get a census of all the fighting men. And I think it killed like a hundred and some thousand before David interceded to God and stopped the destroyer and he asked for forgiveness for his sin at the threshing floor. It says, I, and it was I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. No weapon formed against you will prevail. He says after that, no weapon formed against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is your heritage. This is who you are if you're a believer. This is who you are if you've got Christ in your heart. If you got the Holy Spirit in you, this is your heritage. There's more to you than meets the eye. <laughs> There's more to you that meets the eye. There's greatness in you. Think about it. There's a heritage in each one of you that goes back generations and generations. How long? How far back does it go? It goes all the way to Adam and Eve. 6,000 years ago of heritage and running through your blood. 6,000 years. Think about that. How many generations is that? Running through your blood so you can be born for such a time as this. So that you can stand on the word. And know God's word in your heart. So you don't have to be afraid of the pestilence that flies by day. This is the heritage. This is the vindication. From me, says the Lord. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. 
The Lord is near. You know, we sometimes as Christians think that the Lord is far off. That the Lord's in some far off galaxy or universe creating. And He is creating. Always creating. The Lord is never stops creating. And He created you to create. But He's not far off. He's always near. We think of Him as being so far away that He doesn't see everything we do. That He doesn't hear every word we say or every thought we think. Or every action that we take. But the Lord is near you. Always. Don't be deceived that He's far off. He's near you. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. By what? By prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what? The peace of God which transcends. All understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you, church, we have a heart, we have a mind that needs to be guarded at all times. Because the enemy, and I've said it and I've preached it, tries to get into your mind and put thoughts in your mind about your spouse, about your family, about your loved ones. And then what happens if you, if you start working on them, thoughts in your mind, then it will get into your heart and you'll start believing these lies. And it'll be harder for you to get rid of them. That's why we need the blood to cover our minds, to cover our hearts. We need to plead the blood. When those thoughts come in, we need to rebuke the enemy at all times. Do you know what the word transcends means? Think about this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. The word transcends means to go beyond the limits of. To go beyond the limits of. To transcend over negative or restrictive aspects. In other words, to be an overcomer. To be an overcomer. What does God say about overcomers in the book of Revelation? For they that overcome. They can come into heaven. Amen? We are overcomers. We transcend all of our understanding. To outstrip or outdo in some attribute, quality, or power. That's what transcends means. To triumph over negative or restrictive aspects. I love that definition of transcends. To triumph over negative or restrictive aspects. To triumph over negative thinking. To triumph 
over thinking things are impossible. To not be restricted in your thoughts and your deeds. But to go beyond our natural limits. To transcend. I love that. Psalms 91. I'm going to close with Psalms 91. This is one we should read every day. Psalms 91. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Where do we need to dwell? In the shelter of the Most High. Who's got you covered? God's got you covered. Let's try that again. Who's got you covered? There you go. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousands at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Hallelujah. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If. You should circle that. If. If you make the most high your dwelling. Even the Lord who is my refuge. Then no harm will befall you. But if you don't. If you don't make the Lord your dwelling. If you don't make the Most High your refuge, then yeah, all this other stuff is going to happen. I'm sorry. But it's your choice. God is your refuge. If you accept Him. If you believe His Word. But if you don't, do you dare take the risk? Of being left out? Do you dare take the risk of getting out from underneath of his wings? I don't know. There's a lot of pestilence and plagues and things going around right now that are pretty scary. I don't think I want to be out of God's shelter. I don't think I want to be out from underneath God's wings. I don't think I want to take that chance. Because I'm telling you, it's a chance. And it doesn't sound too good for those that are outside of his wings. It says, no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Why? 
I love this. Why? Let's say it. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. Let's say that again. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. Hallelujah. Because he loves me. Because he loves me. Because he calls upon me. And he says, I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I don't know, church. I'll say it again. There's a lot of stuff out there. I don't want to be out from underneath God's wings. I don't want to be out there like a rogue. On my own. I won't survive. I won't make it. I need God. Just as much as you need God. And we all need God to survive. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's close in prayer. When you're under God... He'll cover you. When you're under God, He'll protect you. When you're under God, He'll bless you. When you're under God, He'll make you the head and not the tail. When you're under God, you don't have to worry about the pestilence or the arrow or anything else. When you're under God, amen? Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for your word. I pray, Father, for your blessings and your anointing upon it i pray father god that lord anything that i've said that's not of you lord god would just fall away but anything that i said that's of you god for your people today that we would get it in our hearts we would believe it not doubt it lord god and if we feel like we're out from underneath your wings lord god i pray that you would draw us back in lasso us do whatever it takes lord god to get under your shelter Lord God, help us not to be a rogue nation. Help us not to be a rogue individual. Help us to each of us to surrender to you. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord God, let us apply the blood to our lives over our families, Lord God, so we can be protected and that we can protect them, Lord God, with your blood of your son Jesus who died on the cross for us so that we can have a way when there was no way. I pray this, Lord God, and I thank you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, for your blessings on your people today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.